Have you ever gone to a place and found yourself wondering what happened here? If so, this podcast is the place for you. I'm Hannah Allman Kennedy. I'm a writer, educator, and amateur historian with a fascination for places and a love of internet rabbit holes. From the time I can remember, I've always wanted to know the stories of interesting places. From remote forests to bustling cities, eerie ghost towns to tourist traps, every place has a unique and often unexpected story to tell. So join me each week as I look at a place and ask, what happened here? Well, hello and welcome to episode 13 of What Happened Here. I'm really excited to talk about today's place, um, Lake Peñor, Louisiana. It's a really, really fascinating place, really fascinating story, something that I didn't even really knew existed until I was doing research for another episode and came across this and um, really caught my interest. And I think you'll see why if you don't already know. As I've mentioned in some previous episodes, We are nearing the end of season one for the podcast. Um, This is episode 13. We only have three more episodes because we will be ending um, at episode 15 for this season. Um, Like I've mentioned before, this is just to give me some extra time to focus, first of all, on my real job of teaching university writing, um, and then also... um, give me some time to be researching and writing and working on future episodes for a season two, which I would like to have drop at some point. I'm still uh, working out the details of that, but season two will be coming. So in the meantime, um, as we are winding down this season and waiting for another batch of episodes, um, please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether it's on Amazon, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Apple, anywhere you're listening, there should be a follow or a subscribe. That really helps me kind of see who's all listening. Um, and it helps you as well, because then whenever new episodes drop, they get they get delivered right to your device, your phone, your computer, wherever you're listening. Um, also, if you have a free moment and you would like to um, like or rate or review again, whatever the platform calls for, um, just to have a little feedback on the episode, that will be great. It will give me feedback. Um, and it also helps people who might be interested find it because on these platforms, it'll kind of push it to them if other people are talking about it. Um, so if you've already done that, or if you're planning to do that, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. As always, you can connect on Instagram, um, at whathappenedhere.pod or um, through email, whathappenedherepod at gmail.com. Um, take a look at Instagram. I post, try to post once or twice a week. And I'm going to keep, I'm planning to keep posting um, even while we are kind of in hiatus here. Um, I'm planning to kind of have some fun with re. Um, reintroducing some past episodes and like doing some videos and stuff. That's my plan. Um, so make sure you're following on Instagram if you're on Instagram. Um, and also take the opportunity on Instagram to comment, reply, like things. Um, also you can DM me with some suggestions with future episodes. If there's a place you'd like to talk about, well, if you want me to talk about it, um, that would be, that would be great too. That would be really fun. So 
just some different options to plug in while the podcast is taking a little break. Okay, so before we head into the episode today, I want to take a look at some of our sources. So we had a really great variety of sources, actually. Uh, I was really excited about it for this episode. Um, They include Wikipedia, of course, uh, the Nashua Telegraph, Atlas Obscura, Damn Interesting, an article by Scott E. Raymond for Lanyap Magazine, um, a video by the History Channel, which was available on YouTube, and Google Earth, my, my friend Google Earth. I think as far as um, internet goes, you know, a lot of people, like their favorite website is, you know, Facebook or Instagram or something. Um, I, I would say my two favorite, my two favorite websites are like Wikipedia and Google Earth. I think even though I'm on social media more than I should be, Wikipedia and Google Earth are like top notch. Um, I was reading a book recently where someone said something like, it wouldn't make sense unless I give you the context, but they were essentially saying that um, no one has ever really learned anything or changed their life because of Wikipedia. And I wanted to be like, no, you're wrong. I started a podcast because of Wikipedia. And I had five people listen to it. I don't know. Anyway, um, so those were the sources. Sorry, I went on a rabbit trail there. And just kind of a little note before we get into today's episode. As I mentioned before, um, the place we're looking at takes place in Louisiana. So if you don't know this about Louisiana, there's a lot of French names in Louisiana. Um, I have tried really hard to pronounce everything correctly, but if I don't, I'm very sorry. And, um, you can let me know if that's the case. But I did take some French in high school, so hopefully that serves me well. All right, let's get into today's episode. Just west of the small town of New Iberia in southern Louisiana, a lake stretching over 1,000 acres sits a few miles from the Gulf Coast, surrounded by coastal farmland and small towns. On one side of the lake, the historic Joseph Jefferson Estate, once the home of the 19th century actor Joseph Jefferson, features a magnificent historical house and the Live Oak Botanical Gardens, which overlook the water. This is Lake Peñor, and it is unique in that it is mostly shallow, an average of three feet deep, but towards the center of the water, the depth increases dramatically, up to 200 feet. Another unusual aspect of the lake is the fact that, despite being in the middle of the countryside, miles from the coast, Lake Peñor is completely salty, creating an ecosystem of saltwater marine life in an unlikely place. But these features are not just freaks of nature. Rather, they are the result of a massive disaster which transformed this place a little over 40 years ago. What happened here? In November of 1980, the shores of Lake Peñor were peaceful everyone nearby going about their daily life. The Live Oak Botanical Gardens featured 20 acres of elaborate European-style gardens and had just recently opened a new conservatory and welcome center. The gardens, along with the Joseph Jefferson House and surrounding estate, occupied the eastern shore of the lake, on an area which was known as Jefferson Island. The area also included some additional historic outbuildings, some of which happened to be where the manager of the gardens, Michael Richard, lived. Richard was enjoying a few days with visiting family members, while also working in his office at the new conservatory. Further along the shores of the lake, the diamond crystal salt mine was buzzing with work, 
taking advantage of the rich rock salt reserves underground in this area. The mine had been operating for over 60 years and was enormous. At its deepest, it stretched down 1,800 feet into the earth. The mine was so deep, in fact, that Lake Panure, Jefferson Island, and the Joseph Jefferson Estate and Live Oak Gardens sat on top of the mine. It helped, of course, that Lake Panure itself, though taking up a decent amount of space, was actually not very deep. With a max depth of 10 feet, the lake was more suited to outdoor sports and fishing than it was a major body of water. Home to freshwater fish and marine life, the lake's outlet was the narrow Delcom Canal, which brought fresh water from the lake to the Gulf of Mexico. So on Thursday, November 20th, 1980, dawn came as peacefully to Lake Panure as it ever had. A few dozen miners were working in the mine, a few fishermen navigated their motorboats through the water looking for the day's catch, and Michael Richard and his family slept soundly into the early morning hours. However, another operation was in motion, something a little out of the ordinary. Over the past few days, a rig from the Wilson Brothers Drilling Company, a subcontractor for Texaco, was at work looking for oil deposits underneath the lake. The company had constructed a 100-foot platform which loomed above the shallow water, less than 1,000 feet from the shoreline. The neighborhood surrounding the lake had grown used to the sight of the rig, which probed beneath the shallow bed of the lake with its 14-inch wide drill. Just before 6 a.m. on November 20th, Michael Richard and his family were awoken by their home shaking slightly. This was confusing, but nothing else seemed out of the ordinary. The family got up and began their day. Richard went to his office at the garden conservatory nearby. But soon it became clear that all was not well. Over the next few hours, the shaking increased. When one of Richard's employees noticed that the oil rig had suddenly disappeared, everyone realized something incredibly unusual was going on. Where had the towering oil derrick suddenly disappeared to? It couldn't possibly be in the shallow water. According to Michael Richard, the realization that something was seriously wrong dawned slowly. He tells the story in an article by Scott Raymond for Lanyap Magazine, saying, quote, I could see the windows were vibrating, and I could see pictures on the wall and the reflection in the glass. The land was vibrating, and you could feel it like a rumble every so many seconds. It was a repeated rumble, like an oscillation. The vibration would stop, and then it would start again. I walked out onto the front porch. We had a fountain that had been built into the foundation of the building, and the water in the fountain was sloshing back and forth. This was a big masonry building, very heavily constructed. It was built to last. I had no idea what could be causing this rumble. We couldn't hear anything." End quote. Soon the police arrived, urging everyone on Jefferson Island and the surrounding state to evacuate. As the day wore on, the saga played out before the community's eyes. Everyone gathered to watch what was going on and to swap stories, and soon the story was told in bits and pieces. Apparently, the oil rig's drill had gotten stuck in the rock underneath the lake. And now, somehow, water was flowing out of the lake, right down into the salt mine. Realizing the danger, the seven workers on the oil rig immediately abandoned the platform for shore. The 55 miners working in the mine, recognizing that um, water in a salt mine is a bad idea, calmly evacuated the mine. Miraculously, Everyone was safe before what happened next. The trickle of water into the mine soon gained momentum. As 2.5 billion gallons of lake water rushed into the mine, dissolving the salt and creating larger and larger caverns for more water to flow into. 
The land underneath and surrounding the lake gave in quickly, and soon the suction from the flowing water created a huge whirlpool, which devoured everything in its path. The oil rig was swallowed up, hence why it had suddenly disappeared. Eleven transport barges on the lake were sucked in, as were a tugboat and fishing boat, although the fishermen themselves were able to make it out alive. In addition, 65 acres of the land around the lake were completely devoured as the salt deposits underneath them dissolved in the rush of water. Buildings, ancient 150-foot trees, and huge portions of the botanical gardens were destroyed. The lake was completely sucked down into the mine until nothing was left but a dry lake bed. But it didn't stop there. Air trapped in the mine was displaced by the sudden onslaught of water and a geyser shot out from the mine shaft, 400 feet into the air. Michael Richard remembers this as well. He says, quote, At about four o'clock in the afternoon, we heard this loud noise, and it was the end of the filling of the mine. There was a geyser where the salt mine building had been, where the mill building had been. There was a geyser of debris and dust and trash. About a 400-foot geyser shot up in the air. It was the roar of the air escaping the mine. The water was coming in faster than the air could escape, so it was compressing the air. They could hear it in New Iberia 10 miles away. It was like a huge air compressor, end quote. By now, the community had gathered to observe the spectacle, joined by law enforcement and the news media. There was barely time to process what had just happened when a new problem emerged. The Delcom Canal, which usually flowed from the lake south to the Gulf, began to flow backwards and the salty gulf water flowed north into the empty lake bed at a speed of 20 miles per hour, creating what is still the largest waterfall in Louisiana history, with water falling from a height of 164 feet to the collapsed lake bed. As the lake was refilled with seawater, it claimed greater depths and a more massive surface area than it ever had before. The mine was submerged, Michael Richards' home was sunk, Live Oak Gardens was destroyed, and most of Jefferson Island was gone. Miraculously, there were no human fatalities. Thanks to a quick thinking of the rig workers, miners, and fishermen, the only loss of life was three dogs, in addition to the massive loss of property and land. What had caused all of this? The oil workers knew that the drill had become stuck somehow, but it still was not clear exactly how this had led to such a large scale of disaster. Unfortunately, all evidence was now buried in an underground lake in a salt mine. A few days later, nine of the 11 missing barges floated to the surface of the new saltwater lake, but the oil rig, the other barges and boats were never found. The most that Texaco Oil could discern was that, due to an error in navigation, the rig had been drilling too close to the top portion of the mine and must have cracked it open like an egg. Texaco and the Wilson Brothers Drilling Company paid $32 million to the salt mine and nearly $13 million to the community for the damage and loss of property. But because the exact cause was unknown, it was impossible to prosecute for any blame beyond that. Of course, this didn't help the Diamond Crystal Salt Mine much. Their mine was completely unusable, and the facility closed permanently in 1986. Today, Lake Peñor is forever changed. Larger in size and ultimate depth, it is still, for the most part, a great place for fishing, and fishers take advantage of its new saltwater status for different species of marine life. The entire surrounding ecosystem has been irreparably altered, although the community has an optimistic viewpoint. Now, they say, there's more views of the lake to go around. Michael Richards still manages the Live Oak Gardens. 
and the chimney from his house, which sank in 1980, can still be seen jutting up from the water. Now, if you visit Lake Peñor, you might never guess the secrets that lurk beneath the surface. The story about Lake Peñor has a common thread with many of the stories and places we've explored in this podcast. A tale of industry, engineering, and the demand for natural resources going so terribly wrong and damaging the land and livelihoods in the process. But it's also a story of resilience, something we see time and time again when nature is messed with, when the small stories of the lives of ordinary people unwittingly become part of larger, more cataclysmic stories. We never know when a normal day can turn into a day of legend, but we do know that there is always light on the other side. So that's what happened at Lake Peñor. What Happened Here is written and produced by me, Hannah Allman Kennedy. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get new episodes each week. Also be sure to rate and review so you can help others find me. You can also connect on Instagram at whathappenedhere.pod or through email whathappenedherepod at gmail.com. Send me a message and let me know what place you think we should go to next. I'm also currently promoting my new book, And It All Came Tumbling Down, a novel set among the oil ghost towns of Pennsylvania. You can find it at hannahakwrites.com. Thank you so much for listening, and tune in next time when we look at a different place and ask, what happened here?